Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hello, welcome back into the latest edition of Seven Fifty-Five is Real. Producer Cam here with you. I'll hand off the reins to David and Eric in just one moment as they answered your questions in real time on the Athletic app and the Seven Fifty-Five is Real live room. Brilliant Braves questions as always from you guys. It's starting to become an expectation that you guys bring it, and you have yet not to bring it. Subscriber Marcus. Joined the live room for the first time. He was able to ask his question, though his internet connection was interrupted midway through and we clowned him for it, but he was able to rejoin and finish his query. If you want to be like Marcus, sans the internet connection problem, and ask your question to David and Eric and join us in the live room, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get the podcast. In addition, make sure to follow David and Eric on Twitter at DOBrianATL and at EOF. 34. Questions today included Spencer Strider. Is there concern looming over him when it relates to his innings count? Will the coaching staff kind of pull back, reserve him some, or will they choose a different avenue, a different approach? Also, are we surprised by this win streak? David and Eric share their insights into that after Brian Snicker called that now well-documented team meeting. And also, the Braves farm system, what is its complexion like after Michael Harris. David shares his thoughts on the Braves' prospect talent level and if we could see anyone else soon from the farm system. As always, thank you all for supporting the show. It means so much to us that you guys attend these live rooms and also support us on all the other platforms where you get the podcast. It means a lot to us. You keep the show rolling. And without further ado, here's David and Eric. All right, let's kick it off. Mark F., what do you got? Hey, uh, love the article this morning, Dave. Just wanted to ask a bullpen question. You mentioned a lot about camaraderie there and how tight-knit they are. How do you think that stacks up against others, other teams? Like, Do you think the only five of the 30 teams are like tight-knit like that? Like, Is it 15? Like, just, uh, I only follow the Braves, so I only know, you know what the Braves are like. So, or, Do you think that's a really rare thing to have that camaraderie? Thanks. Well, you know what? That's a great question for Eric, actually. He's close enough, I think, to... to, to to be able to compare what the Braves have to other teams. I mean, I just from watching it, I know that they're very close and that they have gone out of their way to make sure that everybody they bring in fits into that, uh, you know, that fun, uh, easygoing camaraderie that they have and that they don't have any assholes in there who are wound tight and uh, just in it for themselves, that kind of thing. But I asked for how many other teams really – do a lot of vetting and put a lot of emphasis on that. I can't really say for sure. Eric, do you got a better feel for that? Uh, it's just case by case. You know, I mean, some teams, yeah. I, I think the best way, you know, I don't really pay enough attention to other teams and how their bullpens are performing outside of when they play the Braves. But a good way to look at it, if you ever want to kind of do some studying yourself, is just to see how the newcomers do, you know, guys getting called right. up. 
from the minor leagues, how they do guys coming over in trades, um, how they're doing year over year with kind of some of the same guys, or even if they're bringing guys back that you may not feel like they right. need, you know, that, that always tells me that the team knows the importance of, of that individual. And I can say that I never did well in a bullpen that I felt like that, that didn't feel like a unit, you know, that I didn't feel like we were all in it together. Um, at teams that have guys that are just punching the clock, uh, it's, it's real easy to just wind up punching the clock yourself. And if you're not pitching well, it's, it's even harder to take that leadership role. But yeah, I just, I mean, if you want to look at a team, you know, just look at a team and see how all the new guys are doing or the guys that have struggled in other organizations. And if they're doing well in one, um, that usually says something pretty good about the, the chemistry as a whole. Yeah. And I, and I, and, and now that you mentioned that the Braves have brought back some guys like Webb and O'Day and when they came back, they go out of their way to say how happy they are to come back here because it's, yeah. it, it tells me that it is better than it is in some other places because they wanted to come back here uh, and they were so comfortable here. I mean, Webb was thrilled. He got DFA'd again today before he actually pitched in the game, but that he'll be sent to AAA, I'm sure, if he clears waivers. But uh, he was thrilled to come back after being out in Arizona. I'm not saying Arizona's situation is bad, but he was really happy to come back. Obviously, Arizona's not winning, but – O'Day went to the Yankees. He's been to the Pirates. He's been to some other teams, and he and he loves pitching on this team. I mean, it's his second stint here, and you know, like uh, and, and talking to a guy like uh, Colin McHugh, who's been on several teams, he really is impressed with this group and you know and these guys. and And everybody you talk to says the same things about how tight knit they are and how much fun they have together, and the fact that they go out to eat on the road, you know, to dinner together. The the relievers do and you know, do stuff together. And uh, that just tells me a lot about how, how much they actually like each other and pull for each other. Yeah. And you can read into the comments a little bit because nobody's going to come to a team and say, oh, it's, you know, I don't really like these guys, yeah. but you will see them, you know, kind of, oh yeah, it's a good group of guys, you know, and leave right. it at that. Or yeah. they'll expand on it and talk about how happy they are to, and thrilled to be a part of a group. You know, just the more guys are talking about that unit, uh, that'll usually tell you what you need to know. Right. And they can just talk about the talent, you know, and they don't. They go out of the way to talk about the personalities yeah. without even being asked about it, really. Right. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Christopher D. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> well, I saw it come up, and I was like, all right. I'm like, just got to make sure I'm not on mute. Uh, so not sure e, how much you've heard, but Dave, I'm sure you probably heard. Uh, Matt. Is Christopher, Christopher going to talk? I can't hear anything. Oh, he's, he's talking. <laughs> I hear him. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, uh, he got his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Uh, <laughs> not sure how much you guys have heard the back and forth between WFAN, uh, the overnight guy on WFAN and, uh, and Matt and Chuck in the afternoon drive, but it seems that ever since New York media said, oh, the division's over, Atlanta's ripped off 14 straight wins, and the guy doubled down yesterday, I guess, on his overnight after getting clowned on afternoon drive. Does any of that ever, like, filter into the clubhouse? Like, they hear that no. and be like, all right. <laughs> I mean, no. I'm, I'm a member of the media, and I haven't even heard any of it. So I doubt <laughs> – I, I can say I'm sure that I doubt any of the players have heard any of it. But uh, – no, guys, guys tune most of that out. You know, I mean, the only thing that ever kind of gets going in the clubhouse is if a guy on another team's talking shit. Right. You know, or, or saying something about one of your guys in the paper. Um, yeah. 
then, you know, that might fire some guys up and they'll pay attention to, but I mean, you don't pay attention to what's being said in the media about your team, unless it's one of those screaming guys on ESPN and it happens to be on the clubhouse. Then guys will just tell them to shut up or like, can you believe this guy? And then they'll go out and they'll, they'll do their workout. It's, it's not that big a deal to guys inside the clubhouse. What's being said outside it. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see if you had a local guy that was really, you know, ragging on him every day, that kind of thing, a prominent columnist locally or something like that. But, I mean, a radio station in New York, come on. They're not yeah, gonna yeah. That. That shit yeah, and not- if it's a local guy and he's he's writing a bunch of negative stuff and right. ragging on players and then he's coming up and asking for interviews and favors too, right. you know, they'll be aware of that and kind of tell him to screw off. But Right, cause they, and their wives and girlfriends and or parents or kids or whoever can see that stuff. But if it's just a – radio guy popping off in new york i mean who cares you know I, <laughs> yeah you can't keep track of it all yeah uh, radio and it's radio <laughs> fair uh i said the other thing is are you at all surprised that they've ripped off 14 straight ever since snit finally called the that meeting and just kind of um, the guys I, i'm not surprised that they've played well enough to go on a great run because they've played inferior teams I am surprised that they've ripped off 14 in a row because that's really hard to do. Those teams, some of those teams they beat, they're all bad, pretty bad teams or pretty mediocre teams. The Pirates aren't that bad, actually. They're not like the bottom two in the league. But each, like Oakland and Pittsburgh, each had a really good pitcher that went up against the Braves. So you always can run up against a bad team that has a good pitcher that day. And yeah. it doesn't really matter if a pitcher's on and dealing for six, seven innings. You just expected the Braves to either – run up against that and or have one of their own guys really shit the bed and leave in like the third inning, you know, and that hasn't happened. Yeah. Every starter just about, I mean, a bad start for them during this run. It's been like five innings and four runs, you know, that's really bad for the Braves during this run. They've been, they've been getting really good starts and that's, that's pretty hard to do to do over a span of 14 games to not really have one guy get knocked out in the second or third inning or give up seven runs and, you know, they have such a deep bullpen that can get starters out of there in the third, fourth inning if they have yes. to and not be devastated by it. Yeah, I mean, you could you could play the Savannah Bananas 14 in a row and you might lose one. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, you play anybody in baseball, um, it's just hard to – baseball is that – you know, it's not like football or basketball where the better team wins most of the time. Right. It's – you know what? It takes one guy, a bullpen guy, can come in and give up a five spot in a hurry. Your starter can have trouble finding the strike zone and, and kind of create a mess, or the bats can just be cold that day. Right. Um, I, I see a lot of people trying to downplay fourteen in a row, but for me, I don't care who you're playing. Fourteen in a row is yeah. a big deal. I mean, just just keep in mind that Pirates team is five and one against the Dodgers this year. They swept yeah. them in Dodger Stadium. Yep. So. And, and and sweeping four in Colorado, that will always shock me because that just doesn't happen. That does not happen. Teams do not go into Colorado and sweep four from the Rockies. So that you go in there hoping to split that's and the get most out. Surprising part of to me at, of all of it was that four game sweep in Colorado. When they did that, it was like ah, something special could be happening now. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Christopher. Thanks, guys. Devang, is that how you say it? Devang R. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, guys. Nailed it. Uh, I'm good. Uh, You guys do great work. Appreciate your content. Um, Quick question is, 
if Soroka, not to put a jinx on, if Soroka gets hurt again, would he be considered a bust? No. No way. No. You can't consider somebody a bust because they had a freak injury, you know, on to yeah. Achilles. I mean, there might be something predisposed in his Achilles that just wasn't structurally sound for the way he pitched. I mean, or it could have just been a freaky thing where he did, you know, the, did it the first time on a freak movement, like kind of like Ozzy breaking his foot on something that you never see a guy break his foot on. And then his body rejected the sutures, which is another really weird thing. Um, but no, I mean, he can't be considered a bust because when he's pitched, he's been phenomenal. So yeah. if he was, if he's pitching to a five ERA, that's when you consider a guy bust that we thought was going to be really good, but he pitched great until he got hurt. So no, I can't consider somebody a bust because of injuries at all. Never. Yeah. I, I just worry that I hope he doesn't go down the line of like, um, uh, Syndergaard where all that potential, but just couldn't stay healthy enough on the mound for us. And, um, well, just really show that potential, you know, I think the difference is Syndergaard keeps getting injuries. And a lot of it's from trying to throw 110 miles an hour all the time. Soroka, is a pitcher's pitcher, smart as hell, has a great mix, doesn't try to overpower guys, and he was just going about doing a normal routine play and 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 doing what he's supposed to do, which is hustle over to cover to to cover first, and he got hurt. So I think there's a big difference between the two. And you know, if he was hurting his elbow or shoulder from, you know, that, that'd be different to me, I guess. But yeah, I I, I got nothing but uh, respect for what Soroka's done. And I think he's, uh, I think he's gotten the most out of his talent when he's healthy. And uh, you know, after talking to him, after having him on the podcast and him explaining everything he's done to get back, I'm not, I'm not as, I don't doubt it like I did before. I really doubted whether he could get back. I think he might be able to do it, man. And you know what? The guy that he mentioned talking to with the White Sox, the only guy that's come, Jake Bar, Jake Barger, who's come back from two Achilles, he tore his like three months apart. He's the only guy we know of that's torn it twice. I don't know if you've noticed, but that guy's raking right now. So that's yeah. got to really help Soroka. That guy's been on a run lately. If you look it up, he's been he's been the, their best hitter from the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and, he, and he's a big guy. I'm looking at him probably weighs two twenty two thirty, and he's running, he's sprinting on that thing. So I don't know. That gives me even more hope that uh, for Soroka, watching that guy come back from what he did, you know, tearing it three months apart. Gotcha. Yep, I agree Thank with you. what Dave said. That's, that's pretty much sums it up. Thanks, Devang. All right. Christopher P. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. What's up, man? Good. Quick question for you guys. Obviously, you know, with the timing of the 14-game win streak and how well RC has played over the last couple of days, probably not going to make any major moves. It wouldn't make much sense, especially with Ozzy coming back. But do you guys see them maybe going after a infield left-hander, someone – pretty cheap like maybe like a tony camp or rugnit odor another kind of left-handed option especially since now the lineup is super right-handed dominant well no because rugnit odor is going to cost you talent in return and you're not going to give up young talent or good players in order to get a player who has no place to play right now because rc is getting the chance to play and so far he has done nothing but show you that He's not only ready to keep the seat warm. He's ready to, to thrive there. 
people forget that this guy was a good player in Milwaukee for a couple of years. He was an everyday shortstop and a good player, had some really big hits, a couple in the postseason for them. So if he falls on his face in the next three or four weeks, yeah, I could yeah, I see Alex going out and getting somebody for sure. Alex will not let that be a detriment to the team. That will not let that be a weakness that brings him down. He will go out and get somebody if necessary. But he's not going to do it just to go get a guy because uh, Ozzy got hurt. Not when they've got a guy that so far has done has surpassed what they hoped you could do in it. And obviously the defense, you saw the defense. He's got a better arm than Ozzy, and he's got range because he's a shortstop. So I would. And that play he made coming up. coming around, he bobbled that ball. Yeah. And got the runner at second. That was impressive, man. He stayed with it. That was cool. That's heads up. That's a vet play. Thanks, guys. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Christopher. Yeah, I think you'd have to Brandon fall on your face to, to really make them see a need to go out and do that, you know, between now and the uh, trade deadline. I think he'd have to be real, real bad because he's just here to hold down the fort, and he's doing great. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Brandon O. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, uh... You know, what's made the Braves so fun is all the young guys they brought up that have contributed. You know, this this team's basically been built through the minors, which is great. But we're seeing, you know, the all the all the ARB contracts are coming up. And I know everyone wants to talk about Dansby, but I know Freed is coming up in two years and you're going to have to pay Riley and, you know, eventually Soroka and all that. Is there any chance that all these guys can get signed or are they going to have to pick and choose? I mean, Freed's probably going to cost like, 28 30 million probably yeah think they can do for the future well it starts throwing some of those aussie deals out there and see if they take them (laughs) exactly Uh, you gotta do that when they're real young um this happens with every team i mean it's a good problem to have this is what inevitably happens when you're a good team i mean look at the chicago cubs man they print money here and they didn't keep any of those three guys that were foundational guys so i don't see the braves doing that at all um, so far, the Braves said they were going to raise the payroll each year. They've been doing that, and they've got money coming in like crazy with their attendance. You know, since the uh, since getting hot last year, uh, finished second in the majors in home attendance last year. They're going to finish top three this year probably. You know, they're raking in dough at the battery. I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to sign all those guys because they can't. I mean, like you said, Freed's going to get between twenty and thirty million a year in a long term deal. Um, Austin Riley, they need to get signed early, like you indicate, like uh, Eric said, one of those deals where you buy out two or two, a couple of arbitration years and free agent. Because if you wait till he gets, I mean, keeps hitting thirty homers a year, this guy's going to be, 
his price is going up exponentially. Dansby's already has, unfortunately, for the Braves. You know, he, if he had hit like this last year, I would have seen them definitely trying to do it in the offseason. But now it's going to be curious to see uh, um, what they can do because he's up against free agency now. And if you're Dansby, you already bet on yourself, you know, and, and now you're, you're, you're going to go to free agency unless the Braves blow you away with an offer. You got this far. You took the risk. So I don't know. I, I know that Atlanta's where he wants to be. And I know we said that about Freddie, too. And that Freddie did want to be in Atlanta, regardless of what some people think out there. Freddie did. Dansby, though, is a homegrown guy. He's got a lot of roots here with his companies and all this. His whole thing is Atlanta. You know, it says it right in his slogans his mod for his t- for his company and all that. And I know he wants to stay here. But if another team offers five, ten million dollars a year more than the Braves offer, who's, we'll have to wait and see. But. Uh, Austin Riley, I see them. I see them definitely making a move to sign him long term. Um, that's a guy you do not let get away. Then they'll have their short, their second baseman. Um, I, I definitely see them. They should, if they're smart, and I know they are, they will sign Michael Harris after this year. Do a, I do sign a him right now. <laughs> save a lot of money, sign him to a ten-year deal like they did Acuna. Yep, I agree. But uh, they're not, they're not going to be able to sign all those guys just because you, to do that, you'd have to have a payroll around $250 million, and they're not going to go that high, I don't think. I think they'll go close to 200 in a couple of years maybe with the attendance being what it is. They should with the, yep. with the revenues they're getting. They should. But there's only a couple of teams operating in that top stratosphere, the teams that have these ridiculous TV deals like the Dodgers, that TV deal of theirs. They can spend $300 million on a payroll and still make oodles of cash because of that TV deal they have. Agreed. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Dylan K. What's up, Dylan? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hey, you guys might have already answered this question on a previous uh, Q&A here, so I apologize. You guys already been asked this, but you know, Strider's pitching out of his mind right now, and he's obviously fitting into the starting rotation. Just curious, you know, he he's passing that 100-pitch limit now, you know, uh, whatever that fake limit or, you know, that yeah. they put on starting pitchers these days. <laughs> but I mean, an innings limit, is that something we should be concerned about? Like where, you know, we get into July and August where now they're starting to look at, hey, maybe we should pull this guy back. And obviously Soroka coming back may help that a little bit, but just curious if you guys have some thoughts there. Yeah, we answered that one. Um, next, John, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, that's going to be a legitimate concern because, uh, some of these things are arbitrary, and I think teams go a little overboard with these with these rules, and the Braves will not do that, thankfully. Alex said that last year when they had guys like Max Fried, who had pitched uh, a career high the year before, you know, and coming off the – or he said it this spring, coming off the World Series and all that, pitching in November. They said they're going to do a case-by-case basis, talk to the guys, see how they feel. They're not just going to put down like they did, like the Nationals did that year with, with Strasburg and – you yeah, know, that was stupid. The Braves aren't going to do that, but it's a legitimate thing. With uh, if you look at at uh, at his career, you know he's he he threw ninety four last year. Yeah, he's just not pitched much because he had Tommy John three years ago, so he missed you know, a lot of college uh, a college season, and then and then the the uh, uh, coming in they had the the shortened season and all that, so he just hasn't had. He hasn't pitched 150 innings in a year, so 
we'll see where it goes. But it's going to be, I think, like you mentioned, Soroka's going to have something to do with that, I think, because if Soroka comes back in August after the All-Star break and he shows that he can pitch at a high level and be a, a really strong back-of-the-rotation starter, well, then you are going to have six guys and you're not going to need six. To me, as great as as great as Strider looked last night, and it, it sounds almost ludicrous coming off that start last night to even suggest taking him out of the rotation. But if the innings thing becomes a, a, a deal where you are concerned about him, you know, doubling his career high or getting close to that, you certainly could have could do have better uh, have worse options than to stick him back in the in the uh, bullpen as a two, three inning guy like he was doing, because I think he can impact games in a huge way either way. Exactly. And if you have Soroka as a really good back of the rotation starter, you don't need six because you don't want to skip Max Fried and have him taking an extra day of rest all, all the way the rest of the season or Kyle Wright. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I think you could kind of uh, – you got to watch him throw, you know. Yeah. If he's starting to look tired or, or his performance falls off, but – if he's throwing the way he's been throwing, I, I'm yeah. trying to find a way to keep him throwing as many innings as possible for as yeah. long as possible. Um, Soroka comes back and he's dealing and, and Strider falls off a little bit performance-wise. You want to shift him into that bullpen role. Um, I'd be up for that too. But for right now, I mean, he's he's so valuable doing what he's doing. And what impresses me the most about him is I know he throws 100 miles an hour, but it's all legs. You know, it doesn't yeah. look like a stri- like a stressful delivery. Um, he's able to locate that fastball up in the zone. And when you watch his innings, he strikes a lot of guys out, but he has like a 12, 13 pitch inning. It's not like he's walking two and striking out three and having a ton of stressful yeah. innings. So, I mean, for me, it's I like the case-by-case approach and just seeing how he's throwing the ball when September rolls around because he'll be, you know, I think at this point, no matter how they use him, he's going to be at a career high, even counting minor leagues. He threw 94 last year. He's going to surpass that pretty easily this year. And then you just see how he's throwing the ball in September and, and see how the rest of the guys are doing. But if I can have him throwing like that for me in the playoffs as a number three or four, that, that's hard to turn down. Yeah. Man, he was hitting 100 last night, like 70 pitches in. No, he's not even trying. I mean, yeah. that, that's just what he throws. It's that's like where some throws. guys, you watch them throw 98 in the first and second inning, you can tell they're humping up. And there's other guys that, like, when he pitches, when he hits the fastball button on a video game, it's 98 every time. And that's how he throws. So He is easy cheese, man. He is it's the definition easy. of it. Yeah. He's, he's impressive. That was impressive last night. And you're right. Yeah. He doesn't get deep. He doesn't have these 10 pitch at bats because he puts guys away when he gets two strikes on them. It's because he can locate that high fastball. You know, yeah. most most of the guys you've seen starters the last 10 years that, that threw yeah. 97 to 99, they were taught to throw the ball down in the zone. But he's hitting the glove up in the zone, which is kind of a new trend in baseball the last five years. But if you could throw a fastball and hit the top of the zone and the glove and get the called strike and force hitters to swing at it, I mean, they cannot catch up to that pitch consistently. So yeah, that's why he's having so many quick innings. What's he got? Have you got the thing in front? What's he got? Like forty-five innings right now, something like that. Forty-four, I think it says. So Forty-four. Well, halfway can, way through last year. We're over a third of the way into the season. I can yeah. see. I don't see any. I don't see any problem with him going 150 innings after going almost 100 last year. 
I mean, no, I mean, free. guys do that in pro ball. You know, you get into the minor leagues and you start and they put a limit on it. But guys have seasons where they throw 100, 150. And he can yeah. do that this year without having to take time off. As healthy as he is, man, and, and his way he takes care of his body. I mean, he does. Yeah. This guy is smart as hell as far as taking care of his body and does all the research. And part of the reason he was he became a vegan other than I mean, he's got he, he rattled off like five reasons he became a vegan. But one of them was. Like uh, Josh said, Josh said a few years ago when uh, when he said he did it because of uh, inflammation, you know, yeah. to avoid inflammation. Uh, this guy's the same way. Strider talked about how he didn't want to have inflammation when he's coming back from Tommy John surgery, and he didn't way like the way he felt. He felt so when he started when he went to the vegan diet, he immediately noticed a, a change with that. So he's found something that works for him, and. I don't think he has like the typical soreness and stuff after he after he throws. I mean, he's young, he's strong, he lives clean. He's got you know he's got this this great diet that he's following. So yeah, and that's and that's what's eating. so hard, Dave, about you know trying to put these limits on guys right. and, and grade guys is it's still relatively a small period of or a short period of data to get on guys that are taking extreme care of themselves you know when i came into the game the whole team was in the sauna after the game drinking beers and then we'd have ice cream you know and that was just 15 years ago so when you're trying to count how many innings a guy can throw and stay healthy and and be durable i mean how many 99 mile per hour throwing vegans do you have to study yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. something tells me if you compare you know lifestyles diets uh approach to pitching all that this guy is not Cindergard. <laughs> you know, they're, no. they're entirely different beings. So, yep. and, and Max Freed, same way, takes care of himself, knows exactly what he needs to do, has, has really studied his delivery, his diet, his workouts. Uh, Soroka, we heard Soroka, if you heard the podcast, how impressive he was talking about his, his, uh, his uh, workout routine and lifting, how he's learned not to get overly muscled muscle and these guys are all like that these the Braves have got three young pitchers or four including Kyle Wright who all go about it the right way and, and aren't trying to just be macho and blow people away and have really studied what they need to do to stay healthy and pitch for a long time yeah so it's it's pretty hard to predict but th- that's why for me you just you watch how he's throwing the ball and make the decision when it comes up all right Marcus C what do you got Marcus hey guys What's up? So, uh, love listening and look forward to each podcast, man. So thanks for doing this. Um, this is also my first time listening because school school's over. Don't have to teach for a while. Nice. Uh, my question's about my favorite Brave, which is Dansby. Uh, for years, I've supported him. Okay. Is that what? it? I just keep supporting him, Marcus. Uh, what was his question? I think he's gone. All right. Thanks for coming, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I support KC, Dansby too. KCM. I'm, I'm going to keep supporting Dansby too, Marcus. <laughs> if he keeps OPS and what he's doing the last month, I'm going to support him too. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, I'll I think I'll stick with Dansby. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, how are we looking from a farm strength perspective? Um, you know, I think it kind of surprised all of us when Harris leapfrogged Waters there. So also seems like every notable pitcher we've had past few years is either uh, on the big team or, or dealt away. Are, are we just thin across the board now? What, what are you seeing there, Dave? Well, they've got a lot. 
when you have the youngest player in the majors starting for you and you have, if you look at a lot of teams right now would have Strider and Harris as their top two prospects and the Braves have them helping a first uh, a team that won the World Series last year. So it's kind of unusual in that they have relied so much. And this has been a trend for them. You remember a few years ago, they had at one time, they had, I think, three of the four youngest players in baseball, including the two youngest, when uh, Soroka and Acuna were up. They were the two yeah. youngest players in baseball. So the Braves are bringing these guys up faster than they used to. And in some organizations, they'd be buried behind guys. So like Harris, I didn't expect for Harris to be up until the second half, you know, but I, you know, we didn't expect for what was going to happen and Duvall to, to tire, which probably should have, but, you know, to, to struggle so much hitting uh, while he's playing center field. But to answer your question, I don't know that they're that thin, but they're not stacked like they were, but that, that goes with winning four division titles. You're not picking at the top anymore. So yeah, the teams that the teams that are loaded generally. Now there are some good teams that also are high in the prospect rankings, but the Braves after after winning four straight division titles in the World Series, you know they're not picking very high, and sure, and they have some of the guys like I said that would be top five prospects on a lot of teams are actually helping them right now. So, um, but I what look about at guys uh, like, I look at a guy like Grissom, I think he's a stud. Um, they don't have a lot of top heavy guys like an obvious guy like a Harris or a Cunha uh, that's going to be ready to come up and like Soroka, uh, you know, or Ian Anderson when he came up or Max Free. They don't have those guys right now to answer your question that are ready to the next obvious guy. But Harris kind of came made huge had made a huge jump, you know, from off the off the top 100 radars to starting in center field in a span literally in a span of one year. Yeah. yeah. What 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 about Waters? I feel like he had a good first week, then went down with a hamstring thing, and I haven't heard anything since then. You know, we've talked about Waters. I, I, I unfortunately, there are certain guys that get followings because of you know the whole thing. He's from Georgia, local kid, good personality, exciting player, tons of tools. People like guys like that. They want to follow. Him. They want to see him do well. They want to see him be the next Acuna. Yeah, But the simple fact of the matter is he struggled mightily last year in AAA. I know that a lot of people wanted to overlook the fact that he struck out every three at-bats. But that's a that's a red flag for the organization. And he wasn't going to come up till he lowers the, the strikeout rate, improves the contact rate. Um, and his numbers just weren't very good last year. And what he did power-wise was in spurts. He had like three spurts last year where he hit like four homers in three games, one of them. And then he had another. Well, if you look at what he did this year, that first week you're talking about, it was about four games and he had a great four games. Then he got hurt again. Right. And then he played a couple of games. Then he had another nagging injury. He's had like two or three different nagging injuries this year, not just the hamstring. Um, you, if you can't stay healthy, that the big, the big club's not going to bring you up to play in the major leagues. If you can't stay healthy, they got a bunch of guys on this team that play every day, especially yeah. the infield. But they got outfielders that play every day. I mean, Acuna's just played like 13 straight games, and he's coming off a major surgery. Yeah, thank so, God. <laughs> so if you can't stay healthy at AAA with the hamstrings and all the other stuff, it's not going to do much to, to instill uh, confidence that you can do it up here. But bottom line, he's still striking out a ton down in AAA. I looked last yeah. night. Just I look at the box score a lot to see how he's doing. Just randomly, I looked last night. 
he had a he had a sack fly that drove in a big run for them. But he was 0 for 3 with two more strikeouts last night. And if you look at the strikeout rate, it's not improved this year. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Yep. You got it, man. Thanks, Casey. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sam A. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, Sam? What's up? Hey, um, I wanted to ask you guys. I have a buddy of mine who's a great baseball mind, but he's a Phillies fan. And uh, it's just fun. It gives us a good opportunity to see a different perspective about baseball. But we've been talking a lot this year about um, guys who are a little, I don't know, underappreciated by fans especially fans of other teams and uh, like I look at the Braves I see Travis Darno doesn't really get respect from other fans and for me the ultimate example is Nick Marcakis didn't really get the love he deserves you know guys that aren't always making all-star teams you don't see kids always wearing their jerseys or their shirts at the ballpark but uh, two questions we're wondering from you guys who some of the uh, underappreciated type players are you've seen you've played with or covered and with the Cubs series coming up, who maybe who's a uh, underappreciated player on the Cubs that uh, we could look for this series? You know, the funny thing about Nick is <laughs> in Atlanta, he was not appreciated. At, at the end, I think a lot of people really finally came around to him when they heard so many stories about how big he was in the clubhouse and what a great guy he was and all that. But it can be a fickle market, and I, I, they got used to seeing guys who who were always smiling and having fun, laughing on the on the field. And Nick was kind of the opposite of that, so he's the kind of guy that had to kind of grow on you. But in the Orioles organization, where he came up through the minor league system, he was a god in Baltimore. They yeah. loved him in Baltimore, and then he came over to Atlanta. And it took about five years before people really started coming around to him. So that was a that was a head scratcher to me because. I, I always thought the guy, the working class blue collar player like him was a fan favorite in most places. But Nick just couldn't seem to get a big following in Atlanta until, like I said, towards the end, he, a lot more people came around. But you never really saw a lot of his jerseys or anything. But they had a lot of big star type players, too, that were a lot more colorful and flamboyant or whatever. And he was the opposite of that. But uh, they loved him in Baltimore. I tell you that, man. They still like I think Darno's a good example too. You know, yeah. Darno doesn't ever seem to You know what I think it is about Darno cuz I was asking myself this other day is like he's like the quietest great player, you know, yeah. that I that I've watched. And it's I think a lot of it is is your annex on the field, the things you're doing and there's right. some guys and you, you know, you can see it in the clubhouse. There's guys that are just when the media comes in, they're doing cartwheels for them. And there's other guys that just don't really have any interest in in blowing up and, and being a big deal and selling their own jerseys. Um, and a lot of that comes into play. You know, if if, if you do the bat flips and, and you, you're smiling and laughing and putting on a show, it's pretty easy to sell. And if you don't want it, if you just want to do your job and lay low you know that's easy to do too i think it's more a personality thing for a lot of guys another guy i always thought was underrated during my time in atlanta was uh martin prado 
even though he was he was yeah. he was no, he was noticed yep. but for me he was an even better player than he seemed to get credit yep. for yep yeah those multi-position guys kind of get under the radar because they don't stand out at one thing they're just really good at a lot of things yeah um uh i would have thought you know for a while there adam duvall was that guy with atlanta you know I thought, you know, we had the year, the, the 2020 season when he put up those big numbers. He's a guy that really doesn't draw attention to himself or anything. Uh, Darno, he doesn't do one thing on the field to draw attention to himself. At all. <laughs> the way he dresses, the way he, anything, he does the, he does the chop thing because they all do it. And that's just, a, that's a team thing. They all do it. So he does that. But that's, that's as much as you're going to see him be demonstrative is the chop coming around third base on a home run. Otherwise, you know, or when he gets to second base. Otherwise, he doesn't do anything to draw attention to himself at all. But I tell you, he's become a real leader. Um, He doesn't seek, you know, the reporters. But when you go up to him, he stands there, and and he will answer your questions about any guy, and he loves talking about his teammates. He doesn't like talking about himself, but he loves talking about his teammates and pumping them up. Yeah, he's not going to start the Travis Darno band anytime soon. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he and his brother were very different guys. <laughs> yes. Thanks, but, uh, Sam. I don't know about a Cubs guy, man. You 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 got me on that one because I have not seen the Cubs play much this year at all. I just know they're the name guys they've got left on the team, but I don't know a bunch of unsung guys for them at all. I think they got a guy named Morrell uh, that's, yeah. that's been getting some big knocks for him. I have heard of him. I have heard of him, but I don't know what he's done. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard when teams are going through that. For me, when teams are going through that phase that they're going through where they've traded off a bunch of guys, to, it's hard to pay attention. Yeah, nothing really stood out when they played in uh, in Atlanta, man. I mean, except Contreras' brother is a stud. but Yeah. Watch All right. Contreras' brother's got some big power. He's a good player, man, all-around catcher. Yeah, it'd be cool to see them square off. Uh, Robert G. Last one. Last one. I've been told it's the last one. We're up against our uh, our allotment, our time slot, and our satellite's going to run out. Well, Robert G. All right, Marcus C. I think I think you're asking about Dansby earlier. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, um, where do you think he he ranks in terms of like all of baseball with like his high baseball IQ? Because most of the the things I love about him is he's not making the flashiest play he's always just making like a really good right play exactly and you know his intangibles and his instincts are mainly the reason i've always wanted to keep him in atlanta um i'm a texas guy so i don't really care about the hometown thing um so that's the biggest reason i've always wanted to keep him so where do you think he he ranks in baseball as far as like baseball iq you disappointed me, man. You should have. I thought you were going to cut it off mid sentence again. That would have been, awesome. <laughs> been nice. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. I, I have always respected Dansby, all the intangibles he brings. My only question was, he ever going to hit consistently enough to be a guy that you build around? Because the defense has always been there. Uh, but yep. he's hitting this year, and and it doesn't look fluky at all to me. He's figured some things out, and he's done it in the past for like two or three weeks at a time. But he's doing it now for like a month, and it looks this looks like him. And the way he's hitting with authority, the ball, driving the ball to the opposite field, he's getting stronger as he gets older. And the defense has just been extraordinary this year, man. I, Eric, I love that play that he makes, that sliding play on one knee 
he does that one motion and pops up and throws the second. He does that better than just about anybody. You could look at a guy like Baez or Lindor. Or, there are a couple of the guys that are really athletic like that. But Dansby makes that play so consistently. Um, I, as far as his IQ, it's it, it's it's as as about as good as you're gonna get. I mean, he's yeah, a really smart guy that knows the game inside and out. Yeah, I, I've never questioned anything about his desire to win, his focus during the game. I mean, they can be down by eight and he's still making the right play, laying out, trying to win yeah. or, or or just, you know, save his pitcher a run. Um, and those are all the things I've admired about him since I met him. Uh, he came up very mature uh, his first year with the Braves and he's just, I mean, he's played his ass off ever since. I know he's been through some slumps with the bat, but his defense is, I've never seen him take a playoff, and and that's what I admire about him most. And I think that's another big reason why the Braves got to try to keep him is you you got to have a guy like that that's been doing it for a long time for the young guys coming up to look up to. Yeah, I feel like I know a lot of people want Trey Turner. I just don't feel like he brings that. So you'd be losing something on defense. You'd be getting a lot, obviously, on offense. But I feel like he just doesn't have those same instincts that win you more ball games. And you have to pay him a lot more money than you. Exactly, yeah, you're gonna have to yeah. pay him double. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, one more thing. I'm sorry. Um, I think Dansby. I like, and and one thing about Dansby is, there's a lot of players who will say, "I only care about winning," but a whole lot of those guys, that's not true. They care about <laughs> with with Dansby. It is absolutely true when he says he only yeah. cares about winning. This guy is all about the team and winning. I mean, just look at him. You know, he when you say he's a winner, it's a cliche a lot of times. But look at this guy. They won the first national championship in Vanderbilt's history when he was there, and he was the MVP of the World College World Series. He wins the World Series here, gets a huge home run in the World Series. Was a They wouldn't have won it without him. I mean, he's a winner, man, and I think the Braves know that, and I think there's probably something going on behind back channels that are, you know, as far as trying to resign him, even though I have not heard it. I think that, that they'd be foolish not to unless they have – unless they've got a plan B in place. They better not let him go unless they can bring in another really good shortstop. Yeah, because this doesn't feel like his typical hot streak. Like it just feels different. Like every yeah. at bat approach, and he's got like a Brandon Crawford trajectory where he didn't start super early, but right. around this age, you pick it up and then just be that consistent shortstop for for your team. That's actually yeah. a really good comp because Brandon Crawford plays like that too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it is a good comp. Yeah, he'd be one of the few high IQ guys I would pretty much put him in that category him and like anderton well yeah and austin riley said i mean without even hesitation he's the captain of the infield he's yeah. the captain i mean when freddie was here you could have you know you could have said there were both that freddie was the captain or there were you know it wasn't as clear cut but dansby is the captain that of that infield right now there's no doubt and to go for he's if you had if you named a couple of co-captains on the team he would certainly be one of them yeah i feel like him and darno really stepped up there yeah, they have, for sure. All right, thanks, Marcus. We got a wrap. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. See you guys sometime soon. Seven fifty-five is real. Mm-hmm.